Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Minted, which is home to hundreds of customizable holiday cards designed by independent artists all over the world. Shop them today at minted.com slash YHL, and new customers can get 15% off their holiday card order with the code YHL15. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we dive into what house guests really notice when they come over. We call Brian Patrick Flynn to hear what it's like to design an HGTV dream home. And oh yeah, we've got some pretty big news to share. Hello, Sherry. Hello, John. I'm big, bursting with excitement. I was going to say, you look excited for today's What's New. I was like, I'm going to play it cool for my hello. I can't do it. <laughs> We've got a nice, juicy What's New for today. We're going to both claim this one. We bought a house. But before anyone freaks out as much as Sherry is freaking out. <laughs> I'm sitting on my hands. We are not moving into this house. This is a beach house. And a rental property. Yes. It sounds so high roller. We, yeah, it's we a should, beach house. We should fill you in that it's falling apart. Yeah, just wait till you see the picture. <laughs> yeah, we wrote a, pl- a post. I can't even talk. <laughs> we wrote a blog post about it with more information, but we really wanted to talk about it here. I think the excitement is palpable. Hopefully it's not that surprising to people that we might try a, some sort of like vacation property type thing. I mean, we always thought that there might be a second property in our future somewhere. And it really started to kind of like bubble to the surface more recently because we kind of fell in love with this little town on the eastern shore of Virginia. It's called Cape Charles. And I don't know how well you guys all know the geography of Virginia. Here we go. (laughs) I just want to talk about the house. John's like, let's talk about... Let's let's talk about maps. So you kind of know the shape of Virginia. It looks kind of like a, a shoe or something. I don't know what you want to call that. But there's actually part of Virginia that is on the other side of the Chesapeake Bay. So it's not actually connected to the rest of the state via land. It's separated by the state of Maryland. Isn't it called the Peninsula? Yeah, it's called the Delmarva Peninsula because it has parts of Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia on it. And so at the very southern tip of that, so the very mouth of the Chesapeake Bay, is this town called Cape Charles. And it's actually on the bay side of the peninsula. So it faces the Chesapeake Bay, not the Atlantic Ocean. And we can access it here from Richmond by driving down to the Virginia Beach area and then going across this bridge that is 17 miles long. (laughs) It's the longest bridge. You're like, oh, can we just get there? And then when you get off the bridge, you're like, I feel like I'm in another world. It's technically a bridge tunnel. It's three bridges and two tunnels. Yeah, it's long. But anyways, uh, it's about two and a half hours to get there. And we fell in love with this place because it's this like quiet little town with this awesome beach that is just so low key. Yeah, there's never a lot of traffic. You can pull up and park right in front of the beach. It's very chill. There's one ice cream shop. It's a local, not a chain shop that everyone walks to. People ride golf carts and bikes around. There's not a lot of traffic. It's so charming. It's sort of the opposite of Virginia Beach, if you think about the hustle and bustle and like the yeah, party or even the atmosphere. Outer Banks or some of these other like big like Myrtle Beach, East Coast right. beach towns. This is much. I call it a sleepy little beach town. Yes, and so we actually found it. I think three years ago when we were doing um, a video for the Virginia tourism. Yeah, they wanted a real family to tour Virginia in their commercial, and we're like, 
Uh, we're obsessed with Virginia. Sure, we'll, we'll do that. <laughs> and they took us to this sleepy little beach town, and we'd never been there before. And the water is so blue, and the sand is so... It is not that blue. <laughs> I mean, it's the most blue of most East Coast water. You can see your feet. Let's just say the water's not blue, but it's clear. How about yes. that? Will you go with that? Sure. It's not brown like some shores are. But ever since we did that video three years ago, we've gone back a few times just on our own for like day trips and whatever. And every time we're there, we kind of see that it is maybe experiencing a little bit of a resurgence a bit. There's lots of new construction going on and a lot of other homes you can tell that are being updated. Like there's like a new set of condos and a bed and breakfast that seems to be going up in the main shopping area. So in our last few visits, we've been kind of like keeping our eyes open for fixer uppers there because you know everyone else seems to be buying them up so we know probably the time is limited for them to be available in our in our budget and as the realtor we started working with told us she said we've been on hgtv's beachfront bargain hunt several times and every time we're on it there goes the there goes the market (laughs) like all the little fixer uppers disappear and so we kept saying we want something that needs a little bit of help but we're scared of something that's like falling over We essentially bought the house that needs the most help in Cape Charles, I think. (laughs) Yes. We saw a few houses this fall, and we fell in love with this one that needed the most work and actually was the most expensive of the ones we looked at, but it's in the best location. It's like three blocks from the water and like just a couple blocks from the main shopping district and also the main park in the town. So it's a super awesome location so it's just a really cute street too it's just and all the houses around it are i call them quadruplets there's four of these cute sort of old-fashioned victorians they're all 100 years old and the ones on either side of the house we bought are beautiful and perfect and the thing that was very selling about the one we bought is that one right next door just sold so we knew the value of a fixed up home it was exactly the same square footage same footprint same front everything so it was a really easy comparison and so john says it's the most expensive one of the more expensive ones that we looked at it's because we were looking at ones that were like 75 75, 92 and this one, we're going to say the price, it was 125000 which is not inexpensive, but for a house on the beach, I think when you say we bought a beach house, you're assuming it's like really super expensive, you know, 500000 700000 some beachfront houses are a million dollars. This one is cheaper than even our first yes. house here. And so a cool thing about the house next door, which recently sold, is that we got to compare the value of a fixed up house to the house that's for sale that needs all the yeah, help. Yeah, we got to see its potential. Exactly. It was like a show in potential. We could walk through. Actually, the owners of the house that sold next door that had already been renovated let us walk through it and even look at the plans. And that house sold for three times more than we paid for our house. So it's going to be a lot of money and time to fix up our house. But knowing we have this big margin, it felt like a safe investment because it's really is location, 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 and the houses around it are beautiful. And we never even would have known that it was for sale had it not been for the realtor because it was not listed on MLS or Zillow. In fact, even today, if you go look at it, there's no pictures of the house. The square footage is wrong. It never shows that it was listed or sold. But it's because the realtor explained that a pocket listing, which is what she was calling it, is when it never gets listed. It's just a realtor kind of shopping it around to see who's interested. She said it took a sort of specific buyer and I guess she had us pegged because we were really into it. Yeah, I guess the previous owner, because we actually bought this from the previous owner. This wasn't a foreclosure. I guess this was going to be his retirement project maybe to fix this up, but it just kind of got away from him or he wasn't able to do as much with it. So it was left in quite the state when we bought it. 
And one of the funnier things about buying it was we wrote a letter to all the neighbors to say, really sorry if there's a dumpster and it's really annoying for us to renovate around you. We know that's a big deal. And everyone emailed, called, texted, and said, oh my gosh, get all the dumpsters you need. We're so excited that house is I know, getting I was fixed at, up. I was over there doing demo the other day and I met like three of the neighbors and I was so apologetic because there's this it's not a huge street and we've got this big dumpster out there. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And they like cut me off. They're like, no, thank you. Because <laughs> I guess the house has been in disrepair for like 10 years. They've watched it fall apart. And when we say fall apart, the side of the house is literally rotting away. I mean, there this house needs all the work and all the love, but we feel like, weirdly enough, we're the family that wants to give it to it. And we're not nearby. It's a trek. So some of it's going to be hiring people to help us. Some of it's us doing it ourselves. I'm at the point where I just want to decorate it. And I know that's like... I'm like, well, too bad, Sherry, because there's like a falling apart foundation. <laughs> that is so far holes, from now. There are holes in the siding that like you can stick your arm through. <laughs> you really can. There's a hose bib that's kind of levitating. It's floating. It's not connected to anything. And the house has a hole around it like a donut. It is certainly the biggest project in terms of how far gone this house is compared to any other house that we've bought. So don't be surprised if you don't hear about it for a little while because there's not a lot of exciting stuff happening. I mean, unless you want a really long blog post about like new foundation piers or putting a new HVAC system in. (laughs) It needs all the work, guys. But there are amazing things about this house. It has tall ceilings. We've always had standard height ceilings in every home. It's 100 years old, so it has amazing molding. It has a cool back staircase that's original. Some of the other homes that have been redone, they didn't save the staircase, and we're going to save ours. They're just they're cool things we've never had in any other home. An old clawfoot tub that we want to get re-glazed you know, and keep. So I'm really excited. If you go to the website, we're going to put a blog post up about it. And I feel like we didn't fully explain the like rental vacation house. We want to use it for our family, but we also want to like rent it out for the summers. And so we might do like a week ourselves every summer and maybe a week in the off season. Like we'll spend New Year's there all the time or something fun. But then other times we are going to get renters and do the vacation, you know, Airbnb slash maybe private rentals or whatever. Who knows? That's We're a long way from figuring that out. Exactly. But who knows? Maybe one of you could stay there someday. (laughs) Just be nice to it. Just respect our stuff. Okay. (laughs) That's my only clause. So I think that was a pretty jam packed what's new. So shall we move on? I need to let my blood pressure come down anyway. It's probably a good idea. I don't know. I've got a pretty exciting game for you. So here's the portion of the show where I get to quiz Sherry. I'm going to give her a category of things in which most are real, but one I made up. So she has to tell me just what's real and what's not. And it actually is kind of on theme with us talking about a rental house or a beach house. Ooh. Because I found an article on apartment therapy that was entitled, What House Guests Really Notice When They Visit. Oh, I like this. Because their point that they were making is sort of like, we might obsess over like, do we have fresh flowers? Is like And they're looking for a place to charge their phone. Yes. (laughs) So I'm going to read you five questions that any host should ask themselves because their guests might take notice of these things. You have to tell me which is the fake one. Okay. Number one, is there enough toilet paper? Definitely will notice that for sure. Number two, does it smell weird in here? For sure. That's noticeable. Number three, can I see cobwebs or other bugs around? I feel like these are all very feasible questions you'd ask yourself. Number four. Is it too dark in here? Uh, that feels less annoying than the other ones. And number five, can people see in their window? Oh, yeah, I like blinds. 
I like blinds because I like to sleep. And if the sun is in my eye, I'm like up at the crack of dawn. I think the made up one, well, these are all good ones. So you probably just added one that you also believe is helpful. I think the is it too dark in here one might be the plant. That is not the plant. Oh, what's the plant? Cobwebs? Yes. Okay. Why do I always get it on the second guess? Well, you try to fight your instincts. (laughs) I should just go with my second guess as my first guess. So the way they listed them is that um, you should make sure that basic amenities like toilet paper, shampoo, towels, and sheets are. Those are the things they're going to be probably most focused on. Uh Uh-huh. Number two is pet smell or pet hair around. So they said in it, like, if you have a dog, you may not think your house smells like a dog. But guess what? It smells like a dog. (laughs) What if he's very small? Guests may still be able to tell, I guess. (laughs) Put a little air freshener necklace around Unless he wears chihuahua cologne like ours Oh, yes. He's very suave. But they just said, you know, make sure you have brushed up any, like, cat hair on the, the pillows or the couch. And, like, maybe light a candle just to give them something else to smell when they come in. Gotcha. The is it too dark in here, the one you guessed, they actually pointed to bad lighting because they specifically were saying like if there aren't blinds to block out morning light or if um, there isn't a bedside lamp or something they can easily switch off or on to control the lighting in their own room you should pay attention to. Gotcha. Wait, but why wasn't the Wi-Fi password or place to charge a phone in there? Or I'm they sure this was not a comprehensive list. Because <laughs> I feel like I look around in someone's house like, where do I charge my phone in here if it's not obvious? Um, and then they said, can people see in their window, you know, take note of privacy, make sure they have a place where they can either be behind a closed door or that they can close the blinds so the neighbors aren't looking in. Um, they didn't mention something like cobwebs or other bugs because they genuinely were saying a lot of us obsess over how clean a space is. Oh, that's interesting. But that's not necessarily the first thing that people notice. Or what you could do is decide to make it too dark intentionally. Yes. And they might complain about it being dark, but they won't notice all the they dust and notice. cobwebs. They also mentioned other weird quirks about your home, like if you have a broken doorknob or like a lip in the floor that people might trip over. You know, those are the sorts of things. Put like your caution cone over the lip. They didn't really really provide advice as to how to overcome these. Like put a little flag next to it. Watch your step. But, you know, we've said in the past, one tip we have is that you should spend a night in your guest room because that will give you the perspective of a guest. Like that's how you might notice like the bedside table doesn't have enough room for a phone and a glass of water or, you know, that there isn't a light that's easy to reach from bed. I feel like when we did it, I was like, all these pillows are too floofy. We need to switch out two of the floofy pillows for flat pillows. Because I like a very like flat pillow. And I thought, this is like a too buoyant of a bed. I needed like a little bit of a calm down. So we did it. And now we have two floofy and two flat. So I'll put a link to this article on our podcast show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And if you guys have another thing that you always check before guests come over or a thing that as a guest, you always notice people's homes. Um, tweet at us at Young House Love or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram as well. We'd love to know what you think. Don't we have a phone call to make? Yes, we are going to give a ring to Brian Patrick Flynn, who, among other things, you guys may know him as the designer behind some of the HGTV Dream Homes and also the HGTV Urban Oasis. Oasises, <laughs> however you say that. <laughs> and he's been in Domino and Country Living. He's all over the place. He's a great designer, so we're excited to give him a call. Hey, John. Hey, Sherry. There's like, I was going to say 47 people here, but that's totally exaggerating. There's like 22 people here. We're on this HGTV full house renovation that we just did. And there are a bunch of people sitting on all the stuff I just spent three days styling. It's just getting lived in, Brian. It's getting lived in, except for the way the pillows are sat on. They look more like somebody tried to, I don't know, murder someone with them, but I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, Brian, if I had to sum up what I know about you in just like a few short bullets... 
It'd probably be, let's see, interior designer, television producer, slash TV personality, and writer of hilariously self-deprecating social media captions. I think the last one is probably the most preceding. I think that is kind of where my life has gone a little bit. I think I have managed to spend more time crafting captions I would actually want to read than I have like balancing my own bank account, which is probably <laughs> good or bad. I don't know you decide. It's important work these days, you know. And you actually started out as a television producer and now you're a designer. So tell us a little bit about how that all happened. What happened was, I remember when I was in college, my friends used to always wonder like why the hell on Friday night everybody was going to bars and clubs and I was staying in and stripping furniture and painting it bold colors and then rearranging furniture or trying to learn how to sew. And I guess all the way back to like my second year of college, people started to say, why are you not like studying like interior design or architecture? Like you seem to really be into it. And my answer at the time was, well, I don't really think that's a viable industry. I don't, I don't know that it's something you can make money at. I had always thought that anything that had to do with interior design was for really, really rich people with like multiple yachts and staffs in every country. And what happened was I started off in news and I started to get kind of bored with a lot of the stories that I was working on. I did a lot of stuff that was science-based and I love science and anything that has to do with like outer space I could talk about forever. But I did a lot of stories that just didn't hold my interest. And then all of a sudden my boss started assigning me budget stories, like budget decorating or budget yard stuff. And I kind of was more into it than any other story I'd ever produced. And then fast forward about six months to eight months later, I had been working on a home renovation series behind the scenes as an assistant. And a bunch of the network executives would be like, hey, I have a small budget to redo my kid's room. Or my wife and I are completely redoing our basement and we know nothing about interior design or decorating. And would you at all want to like do it? Well, I started doing it and I realized it was like the happiest thing I'd ever done professionally. It just, I, I, was, I would have done it for free. And then out of nowhere, I worked on another home makeover series. And after about six months, I had been casting the interior designers. My job was to find interior designers, get tape on them, and then have them do full room transformations. Well, the problem was most of the time I'd find a really awesome interior designer who had sick work, like an incredible portfolio, but you'd put the camera on them and they'd freeze up. Or I'd find someone with a ton of personality who was just a dream, but their spaces were falling flat. And because of my background in television, I started to get asked to be like the fixer. I would be the person that would be like, that furniture is not going to translate. The pattern's too busy and it's more weighing in the camera. Or we can't do the all white walls because it's going to mess up the color balance with all the other colors in the room. And bam, I started to just take on clients myself. And instead of just sticking only with television, I started to spend my weekends doing people's houses for fun. And one thing led to another. And I started to just become talent myself. I was doing houses on the weekend and then I'd appear in front of the camera on the show that I was producing and blah, blah, blah. God, I feel like I've been talking for 10 hours. Um, <laughs> I decided to, to kind of mix the two and my company, which is called Flynn Side Out, basically half of my company is a production company, meaning we editorialize anything that's lifestyle related for television shows or commercials or web spots or images or full page magazine ads. The other half of the company is residential interior design. So what I do is I treat almost every house that I design, renovate or decorate almost as a client. So once I'm done with the house, I start to think, okay, do I know any television networks that would love to shoot commercials here? Or do I know any fabric companies that would absolutely love the architecture to where this room that I did would be great to bring in their sofa or a rug company to bring in their rug and then shoot it here? Ooh, that's smart. And it's actually a thing. Like that, there is a business. There's a very small niche for that. Like I got lucky, but this is about six years ago and I've been doing it ever since. And it's great for everybody involved, including the homeowners and clients, because then they have like all of these beautiful assets that are out there on the internet and magazines. Well, would you say that your your background in production and television influences your approach to designing a space versus how maybe a, a designer who got into it more traditionally would? 
my background in television and film definitely influences the way that I design every single space. I always think of how the room's going to look through the lens before I even start to order things. And what's strange about that is as an interior designer, the most important thing for my residential clients is for the house to be a reflection of them and also be super functional. But at the same time, there's a lot of rooms that in real life are great and beautiful and functional and make sense, but they don't photograph well. For example, I never pretty much never use sectionals because there's really no good way to photograph a main living room because you're going to be looking at the back of a sofa, which compositionally cuts off the shot. Like you're no longer looking through a room and seeing the beautiful things. You're just seeing the back of a sofa. Oh, interesting. So it totally changes the way that I select my furniture. The other thing is patterns. There's a bunch of really beautiful patterns that I love in real life. Like I love houndstooth or I like really tight, busy patterns, but those moray in the camera, when I say moray, it's that look when you was like, if you watched a 1990 sitcom and somebody had a striped shirt on, the moray is that effect when it looks like the, the pattern is flickering. Mm-hmm. You would get fired as a production designer if you ever did something like that, or even as a wardrobe designer, because that has to be corrected in post-production. So the way that I design is more like, how can I make this house truly fit the client, fit the budget, but then also... How is it going to look through a lens? And nobody's had an issue with that. All my clients kind of appreciate it. I can tell you from the other side of that, as bloggers, nothing was more frustrating than when something looked awesome in person and we couldn't adequately capture it on the blog. So you are probably onto something. Yeah, it's nice to hear other people agree that there's something something good in that because I think what can happen on the flip side is people can think that you know you're thinking more of yourself and like and how you're going to use your projects as a PR machine rather than truly making a home for someone. But if you are trying to make really good photography, sometimes you have to take away anything that may not translate through the lens. So I have to make sure I always walk that fine line because I don't want anybody feeling like I made them a set instead of a home. Do you have any tricks, maybe favorite production or styling tricks that our listeners could steal for their own home? Yeah, definitely. Um, I will tell you a pet peeve and then I will tell you how to correct the pet peeve is a lot of people tend to just get a bunch of sticks like from the store and stick them into like a tall vase. We had one of these in our first apartment. I remember it fondly. (laughs) Oh, I think I had three. And I look back and I'm like, it's not even a thing. Like it just... These are where the sticks live. Yeah, it's like, here's my stick collection. But anyhow... That is something that I think a lot of people do because maybe they haven't had a lot of experience with incorporating life into their house. But I think that the alternative to that is if I have some corners that I want to add life to, I'll usually get three ferns in different sizes. And my favorite fern is the maidenhair fern. And I like to have them at different heights. So I'll have one low to the ground, one medium, one really tall. One other thing I always do anytime... I'm trying to make a space feel a little bit more lived in than it would be if it was used for, for TV purposes. And so I like to have like a few mistakes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like say that you guys were redoing your master bedroom and you have a really, really tight palette where you're using a bunch of layered blue grays and it's very common serene. I like to have one moment of relief that doesn't really go with everything else. So if everything else was very serious and beautiful and calm, it might be really cool, and I'm just making this up as I go, to have a really cool, colorful piece of pop art of Fruit Loops in the corner. Because I think what happens is you still get that beautiful, serene feeling that you want, but you make it your own. And it's just kind of when you meet somebody, like sometimes when you see a famous actor or actress and they have like a little bit of a snaggle tooth or somebody has like a really weird scar next to their lip, it makes you remember them more and it, it, it enhances their beauty. So I like to have one thing in every room that's just a little bit off. I love that. I think it's good advice because it can make a room feel very confident. Like you didn't need everything to match and you're cool with it. Like you're so confident about your choices that it doesn't all need to make sense and be so matchy. That's the perfect word is confident. Because when I first started out, I think I had a lot to prove because I'm self-taught. So I would go crazy with color. I'd go crazy with really big art and really big personality. But now I still will use color, but I use it a lot more concentrated. And I also still use pattern, but 
I tend to stick with patterns that I know will never go out of style. So I think one of the keys to really having a well-designed room is just confidence and making sure that it's a space that's going to grow with you. Well, we actually wanted to talk to you about color because, as you said, when you scroll through your portfolio or your Instagram, you see that you're someone who's definitely not afraid to incorporate color into their rooms. Um, So what advice would you give to someone who maybe is afraid (laughs) to incorporate color? I think what a lot of people do wrong is they don't think about all the permanent elements in the room before they bring in the color. And what I mean by that is, for example, if you have wood floors and the wood floors are really dark brown, you could totally use bold color, whether it's on upholstery or on the walls or on the ceiling because what anything that's very light or anything that's very dark will play beautifully with bold color. However, if you have a very specific shade of wood, like something that's orange or yellow, the colors are going to fight with one another. So the biggest tip there is colors will really fight if you don't make sure that the permanent elements in the room are neutral enough to play well with the new color. Can we talk about the HGTV Dream Home for a second? Absolutely. It's my favorite project I've ever done. We really loved how it looks. It's got like the fun colors going on and then it also has serene moments it's just sort of the perfect balance i'm sure it was effortless for you and took you no time right (laughs) yeah no pressure either It, it was um the funnest thing i've ever worked on in my life and i'm so proud of it on so many levels and the thing that's the most interesting about designing the hgtv dream home is that you do not know who's going to live there so like if i took you on as clients and it turns out you both like the blues and greens and you have two young children I would know how to design for you because I know your lifestyle. I know what you like and what you don't like. But the truth of the HGTV Dream Home is it is a giveaway. And there are going to be lots of people signing up to win it. And I don't know what their tastes are. So what's tricky about it is if I tend to be a really big color lover myself – I have to check that at the door because not everybody out there that wants to win a house loves a lot of color. So anything that I may totally be in love with for my own house, if it's something that's very specific to me and my own style, it wouldn't make sense there. So what I'm really proud about with HGTV Dream Home is that there's a lot of serene moments in the open spaces because I didn't want to distract from the view. Then there's one bedroom that doesn't really have a spectacular view. It just looks out over the front yard. So that was a chance to play with a really bold shade of coral. It's a whole different type of design, and the fact that so many people wanted to win it, and the family that did win it really, really deserved it, like makes me so eager to like do so many of these. It was so much fun, and I'm glad you guys liked it too. Because like, if I ever complain, like I really deserve for somebody to come up and just smack me over the head with a bat. Like I'm super lucky. <laughs> like there's, I can't. Like I'm so lucky. Like and I'm so grateful, and that's why you probably won't ever even hear me complain complain on social media. I'm very sarcastic, but my very favorite caption on Instagram from you is when you said something like you listed a whole bunch of things in the. Last one was, and I have two episodes of Vanderpump Rules on my DVR. What a fantastic time to be alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's my new favorite thing. What a time to be alive. That's my new favorite <laughs> saying. <laughs> well, Brian, it's been great talking to you. Talk to you later. All right, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. We'll be sure to put some links to Brian's work in the show notes for this episode at younghouselove.com slash podcast. You can see his HGTV Dream Home 2016, you know, the one that we talked about. Uh, as well as the Urban Oasis 2016 and even the Dream Home 2017, which is just around the corner. You can also follow him on Instagram, find all of his humor, all of his inspiring work. There's pretty pictures and funny words, basically. He's B. Patrick Flynn, and it's Flynn with two N's. And we've got some weird digging for you, but first we're going to take a quick break. As you guys heard, this episode is brought to you by Minted, which you may already know as a resource for beautiful holiday cards that are designed by independent artists all over the world. And we actually got to talk to one of their artists. Her name is Melanie Severin, and we got to learn about her process for designing holiday stationery, which, among other things, involves playing a lot of Christmas music in May. Yeah, and I was surprised to hear that one of her favorite parts doesn't even involve her at all. 
I'm so impressed by customers of Minted. I'll create a stationary piece or art as well and put it out there and I have an idea of how it's going to be used and what style of photo it's going to be used with. And then these absolutely creative customers will come along and do something totally different and it looks amazing and it's like, oh my gosh, they have taken this a whole step further and it's like I've created this little piece of art but then they put their own personal touch on it and made it even better. There's still time to put your personal touch on a holiday card from Minted. And uh, you want to hear something funny, Sherry? I realized after our talk with Melanie that the Christmas cards we bought last year were her design. No way, really? (laughs) Uh, So you guys can browse Melanie's designs along with all of Minted's other independent artists at minted.com slash YHL. And new customers can save 15% on their holiday card order with code YHL15. That's YHL15. Okay, we're digging time. Let's go. Okay, so I'm digging something I ran into on Etsy, and it's so cool. It's these handmade, customized address stampers. You just cannot stop talking about address (laughs) stampers, can you? No, we've mentioned them before as a really cool housewarming gift, and this was from like a while back when a company like, you know, mass produces them. This is, I discovered people on Etsy make these really cute hand-scraped stampers, and the way that I discovered this one I'm obsessed with is it's a whale, guys. It's a whale. A little whale, and on the tip of the tail it says USA, and on the body of the whale it says the rest of the address. And it's so charmingly handmade. It's not perfect. The font doesn't look like it came out of a computer. And it sent me down this rabbit hole of other Etsy vendors who make these stamps. And so the person who makes the whale is called Studio Mo. So you're saying it's like a, it looks like a rubber stamp. Yes, you roll ink on it and you stamp it. It's so charming, and I feel like it's imperfect. Can I use an ink pad? Because I don't know if I know how to roll ink. Yeah, I bet you can use an ink pad or you can roll. I'm I'm used to when you carve out the stamp yourself, you use a roller and you roll ink I am it. not used to carving stamps myself. <laughs> it was like my favorite class in um, high school. We did like stamp making. But anyway, Studio Mo makes the whale. They're like this big person on Etsy. I didn't realize it, but they have 1,700 five-star reviews. So like they're loved, and I am obsessed with the whale. And I also... It was a rabbit hole. It led me to this other person on Etsy called Anchorport, who makes all sorts of handmade cute custom address stamps. There's one with a donut, a sheep, a chicken, a fish. The fish is kind of funny, actually. And the cutest one to me is it's a cabin. So it's a silhouette of a cabin with little trees. And within the silhouette of the dark cabin and trees in white is the person's name and address. So I think I'm going to make a mood board of all these cute address stamps. I feel like they make a great holiday gift. I just think the theme is we like personalize stuff. So this is a great way to personalize something. I love that it's handmade. I love that it's a small business or person that you're supporting through Etsy. I would say get on it though, because as someone who ordered a personalized gift from Etsy last year for my cousin, it got delayed. That's right. Because some of those things take some time. Yeah, the moment to act is now, my friends. I believe mine was a cutting board that had their name engraved at it. Because we have a theme every year, and the theme was, wasn't it like eat, drink, and be merry? It was something having to do with food. Oh, no, it was cheese. (laughs) No, no, I don't think it... It had something to do with... No, it was say cheese. It was. That was one year. The theme was say cheese. And some people got cameras, some people got films, some people got cheese. Oh, maybe I did get him a cheese board. We did a cheese board. That's what it was. But he lives in Wisconsin, so it was the shape of Wisconsin. See, we have a cool family, guys. It was very cheesy. With themes like say cheese. This year's theme is travel junk. Yeah. So we have to think of travel-related Things that we picked up while we traveled. And I would talk about what ours is, but the person we're gifting listens to this podcast in the year, so we can't tell them. Imagine that. Someone in our family listened. (laughs) Thanks, family. 
Well, my we're digging is something we both have fallen in love with recently. Oh my gosh, it's the best. It's a little program called Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party. <laughs> you heard that right. Martha as in Martha Stewart. And Snoop as in... Snoop Doggy Dog. Yep. D-O-double-G. <laughs> the D-O-double-G. I don't think that's the way he pictures yeah. people saying it. Like at all. You went like country bumpkin. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they have this show on VH1 where it obviously are a very unlikely couple. They're so funny together, though. It's like you put two opposites in the room and somehow it works. Yeah, it's like kind of like a cooking show where they've got guests on. And so Martha, like, for the most part, is the usual Martha you know. Like, she's like, <laughs> showing you how to do, like, a lobster bake and all this stuff. Except she stops to, like, flirt with a random wrapper. Or, like, she put on a cheese grater bling the other night. Like, a gold cheese grater necklace. Yeah. Actually, yeah. I think my favorite episode so far was the second one. Which was Snoop and Martha and their guest was they had Rick Ross. Oh, my gosh. And Martha and Rick Ross were flirting heavy. Like, heavy flirting. Yeah. He gave her a massage at one point. To me, I would describe it less like a cooking show and more like one of those, you know, on the Today Show when they do a recipe. Yeah. It's like that to me. So I don't get into cooking shows super much, except for like Cupcake Wars, because I'm into that. But it's more like a a talk show with cooking going on. And there's guests. And then they sit down and eat. Snoop does a really funny prayer. The whole thing is just like... I think everyone who created this show must look at each other and go, you wouldn't think this would work, but it works. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like a super crazy Snoop fan or a super crazy Martha fan. That's the weird thing. It makes you love them both when you don't have any... I don't... Martha, I've never loved more. This is the best PR move ever for Martha. She's so hot right now. I have never laughed more than watching Martha try to convince Snoop to pick a lobster out of a tank. Oh, yeah. Snoop was afraid of it. (laughs) He was like freaking out. He's like, try to get me, Martha. Try to get me. So I think it's on Monday nights on VH1. Again, it's called Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party. I feel like it's one of those in a world where you want everyone to get along. It proves that two unlikely characters can, in fact, be best friends. And it's very adorable. So it's a feel-good show, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And if you have an idea for a future topic or guest, let us know on social media. We're at Young House Love just about everywhere. And if you've enjoyed a topic or guest we've already covered, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or review on iTunes. They're a big help to independent podcasts like ours. And thanks for sharing what you do while you listen. Like Alyssa on Twitter, who listened while enjoying some spring weather at her home in Australia. Mm, I do love fall, but I'm a little jealous. Totally. And check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode. Like a look at Brian Patrick Flynn's dreamy dream homes. And a peek at our new beach house, which is not quite dreamy yet. Not at all. Bye, guys. Later. Okay, we're digging. Shall we play that funky music? This is not the funky music. This is my alarm. (laughs) (laughs) This is my school bus alarm. It is not funky.